Welcome to Stork Storytime Talks with the North Liberty Library. Are you expecting or growing your family? If so, this podcast is for you. Delivering literacy one topic at a time. This episode is sponsored by Mercy Iowa City. We invite you to like and subscribe to our talks podcast wherever you listen. I'm Kelly and welcome to the Stork Storytime Talks podcast. September is here. The season is changing. It's getting cooler out and it's back to school time. However, 2020 has been a whirlwind and going back to school looks completely different this year. Whether it's navigating remote learning or teaching our kiddos to mask up and socially distance at school, These unique back-to-school challenges are making this September different than any other in known human history. Today's podcast asks, how are libraries adjusting to these new changes? To discuss further, we welcome Kevin DeLecki, the Programming Manager at Cedar Rapids Public Library, to this podcast. Together, we'll discuss the steps our respective libraries have made thus far in an attempt to adjust to the pandemic and how we hope to serve as resources for educators, parents, and children teaching and learning in this new environment. Good afternoon, Kevin. Good afternoon, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me here today. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. So tell me a little bit about what you do at Cedar Rapids Public Library. Absolutely. So as the programming manager, I am uh, the head of the department that really works with all of our in-person programs, which has been a really interesting experience these last seven months or so. Mm -hmm. Um, But we really look at all of the experiences that people have with our library inside and outside of our building for all ages. So as young as our Mother Goose on the Loose baby program, all the way up to visits to senior centers and book discussion groups and kind of everywhere in between. Um, I also am a part of our senior management team. And so I'm part of the group that really looks at the larger operational and long-term strategic pictures for our library as well. Awesome. So I imagine that 2020, uh, like most libraries, kind of threw your plans into a little bit of a tailspin. Yeah, just a little bit. It's been a lot of a lot of last second changes that we've had to adapt to. Yes, absolutely. I've found that uh, in, in my position here with public services, I'm the public services librarian here at North Liberty Library. So it's been a lot of conversations with folks who have, you know, who come in and do meetings with us, you know, kind of conversing with them about, you know, some of the changes, you know, most, most, uh, most importantly, not allowing folks into the library. So that's been quite the adjustment. And also uh, several of my colleagues who uh, create events, you know, they've had to create, you know, turn those into virtual events. So, and we'll talk more about those too, but yeah, lots of changes uh, with 2020. Um, Now, like most public and private organizations, as I mentioned, our library has undergone significant operational changes in light of the COVID pandemic. Now, as a part of Cedar Rapids Public Library's senior management team, how have you and your colleagues navigated changes to things like hours, uh, staffing, and circulation fluctuations? 
Absolutely. And we've really had to um, adjust those really across all the different things on an almost rolling basis. Mm -hmm. um, the, we had to make a lot of very quick changes right in the beginning uh, when everything was starting to shut down without really having all of the information because everyone was just sort of gathering information at that point. And right. so we made the decision right around the time that most of our public libraries in the area did uh, to shut down fully just to, because we didn't know what was happening. And so we didn't want to continue to have uh, the public coming into our buildings at a time that it might or might not have been unsafe for them to do so. Um, we allowed staff to remain in our buildings for about a week after that and then made the decision uh, from there to move to a fully work from home situation for our staff uh, for really a number of months after that. And so we had about a week of time in person in the building to figure out the IT challenges that would result in an entirely in-person workforce being switched to an entirely at-home workforce, uh, setting up laptops that were intended for public use to now be used for uh, employees at home, uh, completely installing and figuring out a virtual phone system so that people could answer yeah. our incoming calls on a laptop at home, mm -hmm. um, working with my department to take three months worth of uh, in-person programs and try to transition those into virtual opportunities for people uh, in a system that we've never done before. And so trying uh, to learn video production and social media management uh, kind of all on the fly and ensuring that we had enough work for our staff to do to ensure that we were able to um, keep everyone employed during this time. Um, and so we, we started then and kind of navigated through things and then have slowly started to reintroduce things as our uh, county health department and our city leadership have kind of moved into the next phases of their responses. We slowly added back in um, curbside hold pickups where people were able to uh, come to the library and then give us a call and we were able to run things out to the curb for them to come and then pick up that are completely contactless. Uh, we moved from that into uh, by appointment curbside holds and by appointment computer use where people could make a reservation to come into our buildings and use our computers at extremely small numbers. Uh, from there, we opened up our lobby where people could come in and pick up their own holds rather than having to make a reservation to get their holds. And here in the last couple of weeks, we have opened up for what we're calling grab-and-go browsing mm -hmm. that allows people to come in for up to a half an hour without an appointment and look through our shelves and actually get that opportunity to, to browse the shelves and kind of serendipitously find things for the first time really in, in six months. Um, everyone wearing a mask and safety precautions set up for staff as well, um, but really giving that, that first kind of uh, real library feel for our patrons for the yeah. first time in a long time. Yeah, and I'm sure they miss it. And, and a lot of what you're describing is a lot of what we've done here at North Liberty. Again, we, you know, very similar. We went to a work from home model in uh, April. Uh, we closed, we officially closed at towards the end of March, uh, but we went into a work from home model where half our staff was in the building and the other half worked from home. And then we alternated those shifts uh, so that we could still have some people physically in the building take care, taking care of the holds that were coming in. Uh, you know, we had a disinfection, a disinfectant uh, 
you know, protocol that we used for books coming in, wiping them down. Uh, now we've kind of shifted to a 72 hour hold on any returned items, you know, just based on additional knowledge that we've learned from the CDC and from Johnson County uh, Public Health on how to manage uh, materials that may be contaminated. And, you know, the work from home, having a librarian work from home is Really, I, now I come from the private sector, so before I started working at North Liberty about a year and a half ago, um, I was in the private sector for 20 years, so work from home for me was something that was not foreign to me, but work from home as a librarian, that presents its own kind of special challenges. So tell me a little bit about how your staff adjusted to the work from home aspect. Sure, and and like you said, it really did come with a lot of a lot of challenges. Our staff really do this job because they love helping people um, through that discovery process in our buildings and on that personal level. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of adjusting to new technologies, uh, being able to learn how to answer the phones through a virtual system, um, answering. We empowered some of our staff to be able to answer virtual questions through Facebook, mm -hmm. um, learning how to do digital trainings in a way that people hadn't experienced, how to use VPN systems to log into internal um, systems that were only accessible in our buildings when no one was allowed in the building. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of learning there. And then a lot of just kind of constant iterations and figuring out how do we continue to provide better and better service for our patrons, even when we can't interact with them in a one-to-one in -one basis uh, in any way. And so, you know, I can speak so much more to the programming department because that's where, where I live. Yeah. Um, but really learning, you know, we had about a week of, okay, we have the library building and we can film over here and then mm -hmm. edit on our computers and use the library's cameras. And then all of a sudden over the weekend, it was like, nope, you are no longer allowed back in the building. Mm -hmm. So now we're shooting video on cell phone cameras and editing them on iPads and mm -hmm. having to implement entirely new software programs in order to share documents with each other. Um, so it's really been, it's been a lot of, learning on the fly for everyone from our shelvers to the administrative team. Um, it's been a lot of amazing flexibility by the staff. Oh yeah. Um, you know, in a, in a job and, and an organization and really a profession that has been very, very change saturated in the last really five to 10 years as the whole landscape for libraries has changed. Mm -hmm. Um, there has been having to be so much more adjustment to change here in the last six months than anyone can be comfortable <laughs> with. Even yeah. people that enjoy change are struggling with the amount of change right now. And so we've been just so impressed and blown away by the entire staff's ability to change and then change back. And then yeah. once, as soon as you get comfortable to something, change a third time because recommendations have shifted or... Yeah. Yeah. That, and, nope. and, and it, it happened, you know, with this is just so unprecedented. There is no, you know, rule book for this because this <laughs> is the first time this has happened. And uh, what you mentioned about uh, the programming piece, let's touch on that a bit because what we've found here at North Liberty is that we had so much, 
you know, in-person engagement with our events and uh, the people that we hosted for our events. And we've managed to turn those into virtual events uh, due to our talented staff and our compromising patrons, our patrons who are you know, they're navigating this change with us and especially our children's programming, especially, you know, children's programming is kind of hard to kind of transfer into a virtual setting because they're used to that hands-on, especially like with story time, you know, all of our story time is now virtual and it's been that way for months. Tell me a bit about some of the programming changes specifically in your wheelhouse uh, that you've had to navigate over the past six months. Absolutely. And we're in really the same boat that you are, where we have moved um, everything that we do to a virtual environment. Um, we have an entire department. It's myself, four full-time librarians, and four part-time programming specialists that are solely focused on the programs that we do for our patrons. And so this is a lot of people's full kind of investment in the library. And so you know, with that, we do a lot of programming in and out of our buildings. And so shifting that to a virtual environment um, was, a, was a really big ask in order to really maintain the same level of quality and service that we provide in person. Um, we average somewhere in the realm of about 150 programs a month in a normal oh. year. Oh, my. And so, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> and, and we knew that there was no way to convert those all on a one-to-one -one basis to virtual mm -hmm. things. And so we really, we spent the spring kind of getting our feet wet and figuring out how to do things like story time and Mother Goose on the Loose and those early literacy initiatives, those things that we knew that families really depended on for them and their children. Um, and then how to engage really across the spectrum of ages and interests um, one of the really exciting things we do in Cedar Rapids is that having the programming department focus across all ages means that we can really uh, bring in programs and ideas that are intergenerational, that are really experiential like that. And so how do we continue to make sure that we're focusing across all ages and not really waiting super heavily to children's or super heavily to adults or ignoring teens entirely, as can unfortunately sometimes happen with yeah. library programming. Um, and so spring kind of was figuring out what that looked like. Summer, we went a bit into throwing everything at the wall. Um, yeah, especially it, with like, uh, specifically like summer reading programming. Yes. How, how, and let's talk a bit about that because that <laughs> definitely took a hit, um, not only with participation numbers, but how that looks, you know. So tell me a bit about what your summer reading program looked like in 2020. Definitely. It was extremely different. And I know, I am sure North Liberty is the same way that we typically plan uh, for eight to ten months mm -hmm. for our summer program. Yep. And we found out about three weeks before a deadline that we would not be doing anything in person. So we had to reinvent our summer program that takes eight to ten months to plan in three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, between our in-person and partner programs for the summer, we had almost 400 things scheduled for an eight-week period, and every one of them had to be canceled. And so then we had to reinvent what that would all look like. And, and as you said, with North Liberty, we definitely had a hit in terms of participants. Uh, we typically work with almost 2,000 students every summer in our partner organizations in our community between 
Jane Boyd Community House, Boys and Girls Club, Kids on Course University, the YMCA Care Centers, uh, really working with and engaging those kids that face really substantial barriers to access in the library. Um, and every one of those locations were either closed or closed to the public this summer. And so we didn't work with any of them, which is about half of our total participation in a normal year for summer. Um, so we had to switch everything to online. We had to train a lot of our patrons who have come in for decades every summer into our building to participate, how to do everything online. And then we had to reinvent those programs that we've done so successfully for, for so many years into a virtual setting. And, we did a lot and some of it was successful and some of it probably wasn't as much as we would love it to be uh, but it really gave us a good foundation to build on going forward for what virtual programming and online participation in reading programs will look like for us. Yeah I, that's one uh, silver lining from all of this is that it really did force us to build a foundation for future virtual programming, whether there's another hit of this pandemic as they're rumoring it to be or not, we have this secondary tier of programming done online and we've used this opportunity to learn all of those functions, to teach our fellow colleagues all of these functions uh, so that we can further expand what we offer to our patrons. So that's one silver lining from this. But again, the navigating, the navigational changes from the spring through the summer. And then if that wasn't bad enough, then we are hit with a storm. Now, your area specifically in Cedar Rapids, uh, we, we had some damage, not necessarily to this library, but some damage in the Iowa City, Corville, North Liberty area, but specifically Cedar Rapids bore the brunt of that damage as far as this immediate area is concerned. Tell me, did you find that the processes that you already had in place for COVID management had to be further revised after the storm? They definitely did. Um, we were it was much easier to revise those because we had already worked for five and a half months on COVID management. Had we have just had a normal year happening and then had the storm, it would have been a much bigger struggle, kind of akin to the 2008 flood here in Cedar Rapids, where it went from zero to 60 really fast. Right. Um, and so we were able to adapt rather than reinvent. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like we that. adapt rather than reinvent. Okay. So our downtown library was without power for two days. Our lad library was up without power for a little bit longer, but also sustained really severe roof damage. Mm -hmm. And so until we were able to have a structural engineer come out and assess the patches to make sure that they were structurally sound, we couldn't have anyone in that building. And so we had to shift first. We had to wait for the power back, come back on to do anything. Mm -hmm. And then we reopened on a limited basis as quickly as possible at our downtown library, just to provide people at the very least with access to Wi-Fi connections because much of Cedar Rapids is without power for two weeks. And there's still about 10% that does not have internet still six weeks later. Yeah, it and is. So, yeah, I can only imagine that just just as a neighboring neighbor of Cedar Rapids, it's just, you know, just the devastation 
the, on top of a pandemic. And as you said, if this had been a normal year, there would have been a lot more adjustments that would have, it would have been a little bit more challenging. But I also feel like, you know, on top of like, my goodness, like 2020 just never ends. Like it just like right on top of the pandemic, then we had uh, the storm. Yeah. Now, after the closings in the spring, the major readjustments in the summer, the storm in late summer, now we have school restarting this month. And, you know, there are many parents and caregivers uh, who may be trying their hand at homeschooling for the first time ever. Uh, how is Cedar Rapids Public Library positioning themselves as a resource for these parents who may not know where to start with remote learning? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that we did right away was created a student resource page on our website. And we really took some time to pull together resources both that the library specifically offered, but also that were just researched by our, our amazing reference librarians as really good supportive places for those parents mm -hmm. if their kids just need a little bit of extra help on something. Uh, we also are subscribing to a new software system called Help Now that launches in about a week. Mm -hmm. um, and it offers live online tutoring for free from 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. seven days a week. Wow. And so that really gives awesome. the opportunity, you know, I have a seventh grader who's mm -hmm. doing half of his work from home. I have no idea how to do pre-algebra. Not a clue. No. And so if he has <laughs> questions and doesn't have access to his teacher, mm -hmm. I now have this resource where that he and I can log in together and we can work with an online tutor who has a four-year degree in math and can really help walk him through the best way to work on these things. All right. And it's called Help Now. Correct. All right, and can you shout out your uh, website for, uh, for our listeners so that they know where to find this resource? Absolutely. So our website is crlibrary.org, and you go there, and that student resources page will be linked right on the front page, and that's where we're going to kind of have everything compiled right there for everyone to find. Awesome. That sounds like such a great resource, and to have uh, a student resources page just posted up that is uh, fantastic. I know one thing that we were doing um, in alignment with our curbside services is we were offering uh, what we called our laptop hop and our primary hop. And our primary hop, because we have a lot of parents uh, who come in and get stacks, and you're probably familiar with this, they get stacks and stacks of picture books and easy readers for their kids. And oh, yeah. we've offered just pre-made bags of those books that they can just grab and go uh, with during curbside uh, pickup. And then also, we are offering Laptop Hop because we offer free Wi-Fi in our parking lot. So we've uh, also, you know, if you want to pull up, drive up, you give us maybe a license or your keys and we let you use a laptop for an hour with our free Wi-Fi. You know, that's been very helpful throughout the summer and it's something that we're still offering here now in the fall. And digital resources have become a lot more important than ever before. We've already discussed some of the virtual uh the virtual uh, offerings that both of our libraries are offering. Um, please tell our listeners what other virtual uh, events and virtual resources that Cedar Rapids Public Library has on deck, especially for parents and students, in addition to uh, hands, is it hands-on or help, help now? 
help now. In yep. addition to that, what other resources are available uh, virtually from your website? Absolutely. The, the big one that we really focused on is uh, diverting a lot of our collection dollars into uh, ebooks, e audiobooks, uh, streaming services, things like that, to really make sure that uh, parents and students had easy access without having to leave their house for books and audiobooks and magazines and movies and any of the things that they might need to help uh, throughout school this year. Mm -hmm. uh, we also took a really big page out of North Liberty, Coralville, and Iowa City's books, and we worked with our major school district in the area to create virtual library cards for every enrolled student in the Cedar Rapids Community School District. That just mm -hmm. happened last week. Awesome. Uh, and so that way, every one of our students from preschool through high school now has access to the library's entire virtual collection. Uh, tied to their student ID. We, we just stole all the ideas from you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> steal uh, away, really, steal away, yes. But it was a really important thing for us that we could, we could pour all of these resources that we wanted into these virtual services, but if we couldn't ensure that the kids who needed them the most were guaranteed to have access to them, then it didn't really make sense to us to do. And so that was our primary objective is make sure that we had equity of access across the board and then really work on what we can offer. Um, and so we have a lot of the same, the same online offerings that a, a lot of libraries do with some of our research databases. And um, we have another, another service through the same company as Help Now, Now called JobNow, which really helps with those older students as they're starting to get toward the end of their high school career uh, learning about potential future careers and options, uh, writing resumes, doing mock interview help, things like that. Um, but really offering those, those easy ways to get access to uh, books and audiobooks, movies, magazines, music that are going to be helpful throughout all of the work that they're doing without being able to leave their house most of the time was the big focus that we've put on here in the last six months. Absolutely. And, and have you heard from patrons? I know, I know we've heard from some of our uh, longtime patrons who just love coming to the library on a nearly daily basis. Have you had a chance to hear from any of your patrons saying that they miss you or, you know, thank you for the offerings that work that you're able to provide in this pandemic? Absolutely. The, the stories we've got from people have been really heartwarming the last, the last half of the year. Uh, between Facebook messages and comments left on videos of, you know, little pictures of little kids watching their favorite librarian do a story time with all their stuffed animals wrapped around them so everyone can watch at the same time, uh, to just the outpouring of love and support that we've had once we were able to open our doors, even in a limited basis back for people, um, has really... We knew our community loved us as much as we love them, uh, but it's been a really neat opportunity to feel the appreciation that sometimes you don't always have when you're just doing the good things that you do on a regular basis. Right. Um, and we've really felt that love and that support here recently. Awesome. Well, I think, uh, you know, um, it just warms my heart that our libraries are just, we just mirror each other through these past six months, this transition from the spring when we close to summer reading programs to the storm, and now here with back to school. It just warms me with confidence that, you know, we as librarian staff, and I think all libraries across the country, we are still thriving. We are still 
here for our patrons first and foremost, and we are still here as a resource uh, for our patrons, and that includes especially our littlest patrons, so our children. So it just warms my heart, and I thought that, I think this was such a good conversation about that. And you know, I thank you so much for sharing with our audience a bit about what Cedar Rapids Public Library is doing and what your team is doing to provide as many resources as possible uh, for our most important patrons, our children. Uh, before we close out, uh, definitely please share with our listeners where they can find out more information about Cedar Rapids Public Library resources. For sure. Uh, like I said before, our website kind of is that one-stop shop at crlibrary.org. Uh, we're also really active on Facebook and YouTube, both with CR Public Library. Um, you can stop in. We are open for uh, grab-and-go browsing now from 10 to 7, Monday through Friday, and 10 to 4 on Friday and Saturday, so we'd love to see you in. Um, our phone number and, and different electronic contact information is on the website as well. Uh, you know, we're doing things every day online, so if you're, you're looking for something fun, you don't have to live in Cedar Rapids to jump in on those things. We have some great some great videos and some grab-and-go craft programs, programs to go, uh, teen subscription book boxes, all sorts of things that we're, we're uh, jumping into this fall to try out for the first time. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Kevin. I'll have you hang on for just a minute, but I just want to tell our uh, audience that this again is Stork Storytime Talks podcast from the North Liberty Library. And today we talked with Kevin Delecki with Cedar Rapids Public Library. Uh, visit NorthLibertyLibrary.org to learn more about our library's virtual programming and services. And thanks again to our sponsor, Mercy Iowa City.